0: You have a choice in life. You can do something that is well-paid, but pretty fucking unfulfilling. Or On the other hand, you can do something that is creatively fulfilling. You're going to die poor, and then that's it. That's life. What I didn't realise was that with startups, you can kind of have your cake and eat it. You yeah. can do something that's incredibly creatively nourishing, but also gives the opportunity to be very well rewarded financially.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Startup Hand-Me-Downs, the podcast that passes insights from founders and thought leaders down to the next generation. I'm your host, Philip Kusumu, and thank you so much for giving me the next 30 minutes of your time. I promise it will be worth it.
2: So today we spoke to Alex Stephanie, who is the ex-CEO of Just Park and the man behind one of the most successful crowdfunding campaigns in history. In 2015, these guys raised one million pounds in just four days uh, from you guys. Um, They crowdfunded it. And he's here today to tell us how we did it. So we're gonna be talking to him about uh, tips and tricks of a successful crowdfunding campaign, how to start up multiple uh, businesses at a time and feel comfortable with it, and then why focus groups are dangerous um, and a better alternative. I hope you enjoyed the episode, guys.
1: So, Alex, nice to have you down, dude. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming down. So, in about four bullet points or so, when you're at a dinner party or whatnot, how do you introduce yourself? (laughs) Right. Okay.
0: So, I would say I work in tech. Uh, Originally, I uh, came from a kind of more traditional background. So, I was working in law and then consulting, um, but yeah. For five years um, or thereabouts I've been working in tech most of my experience has been at a business called Just Park that is a parking app that lets drivers book low cost and convenient parking spaces um, off street um, so the idea is that they book a space that is much much cheaper than on street but it's also this sort of premium experience because they book this space and then they just turn up and the space is waiting for them
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, so uh, I guess I'm best known for uh, running that business um, and taking it from a couple of people to um, almost 40 people and raising money and and helping scale that. The third piece is I brought up this interest in the sharing economy. And I wrote a book called The Business of Sharing, which uh, was published by Macmillan last year. And that's this sort of entrepreneur's view on uh, what it is to run one of these sharing economy businesses, to raise money for these businesses, um, to help scale these businesses. And that was really kind of fly on the wall um, type project. So I went out to Silicon Valley and I would interview the sort of people on the board of Airbnb nice. and the founders of Zipcar and Airbnb and blah blah car and these kinds of businesses. Yeah. Um and kind of pulled that all together um in uh, what is really a sort of how to do it guide hopefully for Sounds investors, like consumers, um entrepreneurs always actually tries to be sort of the opposite of academic. It's sort of a pretty uh light, fast read. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah I mean the sharing economy and kind of P2P is kind of the kind of key words of the moment so we'll kind of we'll dig into your specific advice on that uh, in a bit um but kind of to start off so law and consulting um so consulting makes sense law how did kind of your transition from law into entrepreneurship and the world of tech come about uh, i really
0: like working abroad and i really like um challenging and complex work Mm -hmm. and joining an international law firm made a bit of sense in in that context but it was really only in 2011 that I understood what I should be doing and
1: that was I think when I realized I wanted to work in tech and I just (laughs) set about doing what I had to do so then you went on to create Two startups. One was a, a loyalty app, am I correct? And then one was a marketplace for independent retailers. Wow, you've been stalking. Me. I awesome. have indeed. I do my due diligence. So, Christ, what else? Uh, Delete your old Instagram
2: photos, man. <laughs> oh, that's, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. that's where you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just
1: get rid of my Instagram pics. <laughs> um, so, how did they go? I mean, well, we know how they went. But like, what did you do? How did you start off with? Which one came first? And what did you do? And when did you shut them down when you know they weren't working out?
0: Well, I was never really interested in running those businesses. They were just more experiments. Mm. So what I didn't want was, I guess, the pressure on myself um, Mm -hmm. that would come from thinking, this is my business. I've started a business. I need to make this work. Mm. It's going to take years and I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And for me, that was just not necessary. I could just think of myself as playing around, with ideas and continuing to meet people and learn about something and understand the core value proposition or lack of. Um, I think a lot of people approach starting a business as kind of like a marriage in yeah. a business and it becomes that very, you know, comes therefore a very scary thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas actually, I think a slightly better approach is to think of it as just like dating yeah. these ideas. Mm. It's like, it's not a big deal. I'm just gonna kind of date these ideas and I'm gonna, take it one step at a time i'm just going to do this little experiment to work out this thing and then okay that was quite promising i'm going to do this experiment (laughs) like i'm not starting a business (laughs) (laughs) i'm not not starting a business i'm just exploring something yeah yeah um and you know a lot of the best businesses were started by accident
2: Hmm.
1: so so you tested out these concepts and whatnot um, did you build, Did you actually build any? Or was it just kind of? Just uh, so I
0: built um, responsive wireframes, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I did some things like focus groups and looking back and I kind of knew this would be the case. It was massively naive how I approached all of those things. Uh, one of the interesting things I've done this year is working for a startup studio called Rainmaking and working with some people that are a lot, lot smarter and more knowledgeable than me. And that's given me sort of a really good grounding in how you um, in how you get a business off the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy there who's a partner at a studio called Jordan Schleff, He um, really drilled into me that focus groups are actually really dangerous because uh-huh. they get taken over by one dominant, yeah, one dude. dominant person. Um, uh, people end up basically sort of you know lying to you, um, not deliberately, but yeah. end up lying to you. Um, on the spot because of the way that a focus group turns, and you know he, he thinks they just just don't bother them. And actually, yeah, one on ones. Yeah, exactly. So one on ones, um, and not doing focus groups at all, I think is is a good thing in customer development. And not doing online surveys in the early stages because it's often the case that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, putting together the perfect customer survey and getting that to exactly the right person and having data with high integrity is really, really hard. And the worst thing you want to do is spend time acquiring bad or unreliable data and then making decisions on the back of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so talk to us about, I guess, how did you become CEO of Just Park? Where did the introduction come from?
0: Um, so I met the uh, CEO and uh, founder, you know, I joined the team, um, and that was the start of you know a really, really awesome adventure. And was this pre-funded when you joined Antony? No, it had raised a small amount of seed capital from BMW Ventures,
1: which ah, is yes, the
2: VC mm-hmm.
0: uh, wing of BMW.
1: And you guys actually went on to have one of, I think, still one of the biggest crowdfunding campaigns yeah today
0: yeah definitely I think it's probably top three or
1: something maybe yeah. top five it, it was the biggest ever for, for I don't know a year or so yeah that's pretty punchy uh, how did that come about like what did you guys do differently or do you think it was just a product and you had your cool customer base why was it so big? Or why was it so good? Yeah, yeah. why was it
2: so,
0: so successful? Because everyone's successful on crowdfunding. Uh, I mean, yes. we had hundreds of thousands of customers. That's you know, nice position to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, we raised money from BMW, who are uh, obviously a very well-known brand. That created a lot of
1: uh, mm. trust credibility. Did you have Richard business? Branson as well?
0: Did I see that? We won a um, um, pitch-to-rich competition that um, Virgin ran. Ah, you Um, won that. So that was, I think, probably what we think of with Branson. Yeah. That's fantastic. But that's a a sort of different thing. We also had Index Ventures um, who invested the year before. So that was a great, uh, I guess, marker that this this business could be really, really big. And. you know that was I guess a good foundation to run a crowdfunding campaign on and then I just think we executed fairly well um there's all kinds of things I could talk about that I have a forthcoming blog actually on uh you know sort of 12 tips or whatever it's, called. <laughs> it's 12 is a listicle 12 tips to run a successful crowdfunding campaign or something I'll definitely get that um so I'll, I'm gonna get that on I've got a second can you, you give us the
1: top three days. quickly just yeah oh,
0: let's, have let's have a teaser let have a teaser. Okay. Um, I would say be honest, be open. Um, Forging some trust with Uh potential investors on a a crowdfunding platform is really, really important. Sure. If there are, Competitors that um, are you know, ahead of you, if there are weaknesses in the team, um, you know whatever it is that is a legitimate concern to you, you should just be honest about this um, because actually people respond well to entrepreneurs who are open. Um, you need to build that trust, and if you're not open and someone flags this on the forum, and you're, yeah, you know you're just going to lose credibility. So, so I think you know, the whole the whole uh, model. Is built on trust, um, and you really need to, I think, to, to to build trust. To be honest, and I think generally, people respond well to that. They know that you know your business is not a home run, sure thing, success. Um, if it wasn't, you know, if it was that, you yep. wouldn't be equity crowdfunding in in the first place, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, these these businesses are risky, um, and Good you know, point. being honest about the risks, I, you know, I think is the right way to be. Um, I think validating the demand for crowdfunding is very important. You know, you will probably have some customers speaking to them mm-hmm. about where they would invest. Um, potentially emailing them, making sure that you don't fall foul um, of what are called financial promotions is really important. We we reached out to some bar users and we um you know, we had some very clear signals that there would be some you know very strong demand for the round, um, and we had. An investment every twenty seconds for the first hour. Wow! Um, and we only emailed a third of so, our customers. So, you're, so I mean, that was you know born out. So that was the second one. Do you want me to give a third one as well? Yeah, yeah, before,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, now I've got to actually think of one. Um, so I mean, I think the third one would be just to have a list of questions, uh, you know, prepared, agreed with everyone on your team um, before you press the button and go live you know, people are going to ask obvious questions you know, how are you going to scale this business internationally mm. why is the valuation so high mm. um, who are your main competitors, you know, all of these things you should have good answers drafted out before, there's absolutely no need to be responding to this stuff you know, writing this stuff on the fly mm-hmm. um, as and when they come yeah.
1: in. And do you think what you need to communicate all of that through your video or have that on the kind of on the document No, now. so your video should be more high level. It's really about
0: the core value proposition, and the opportunity. Okay. Um those answers are more for the forum where people come in and say this is cool, but yeah, the valuation is too high. At that point you have your valuation question and you talk about, you know, why it's at that level and what the comparables are and the sort of return based on x, y and z um and all that kind
2: of jazz. So, uh, most of the people who funded you, were they customers um, or were they uh, investors? Uh, so, they were
0: um, mostly uh, investors from CrowdKeep and elsewhere who Got heard it. about the round. Mm-hmm. Um, about a third of them were and are uh, just part customers.
2: Mm-hmm. A third. And uh, did you secure these investors beforehand, uh, before the crowdfunding campaign or after you launched
0: um, they would have come through, those particular crowd investors would have come yeah. through after we launched. Wow, oh, so wow. you didn't have any so preset
2: kind of investors so before? We,
0: we had um, a 48-hour window Yeah. Um, during which Just Park investors, um, Just Park customers rather had sort of priority access.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, cool. Okay, and at the time of the campaign, were you COO? Or was this, was this when you were no, CEO? I, no, no, i I've been CEO for a couple of years
0: okay. um, at that point.
1: So that makes for a good transition.
2: How did the kind of CEO role come about from from the CEO role? Um, The board um, were
0: happy for me to step up. Um, um, the the founder Anthony was uh, he'd, be, he'd done it for five years he'd done a great job um, you get tired you get very very tired especially being on his own for a lot of that time mm-hmm. um, and you need know, get burnt out you get frazzled you inevitably lose perspective however good you are um, mm-hmm. as, as a CEO um, and so you know I I guess I
1: um, you know ran what was hopefully a decent shift. Um, Mm -hmm. for him in that role and as the CEO of Just Park what would you say was your biggest challenge or challenges
0: yeah I mean you know startups are about people and a startup is only as good as its as its team Um, you know the hardest thing is always bringing in and getting the very best out of the very best and everyone is living in their little bubble and you need to um, understand what that person wants and what makes them tick. And um, but yeah, I think that's you know that is the biggest thing with the right team. You know anything is possible. And I guess I saw myself more as. Um, You know, not the kind of actor on stage, you know, sort of Shakespearean solidically spotlight. You know, that's not the kind of CEO that I was and I aspire to be, you know. I'm the sort of CEO who is sitting in the back row, who has a script and who is looking at the cast that you have picked and you have nurtured, go on stage and act their hearts out and get a standing ovation. Mm. That's the sort of
1: CEO that I've always tried to be you have know, some good mm-hmm. analogies
2: yeah. yeah I can see, <laughs> really I can see you, used to, you used to be a writer still, still a star writer I could hear the words um, so what would you say was your biggest mistake um, then as your time as CEO <laughs> Whew, um, biggest mistake
0: um, you know I think every CEO makes lots of mistakes um, um you know, especially first-time CEOs. Um, I think, you know, one mistake that I made was probably thinking, looking at too many e-commerce metrics mm-hmm. when we should have looked more at marketplace metrics. Mm. So looking at um, metrics around acquisition um, and retention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and conversion, which is just sort of more of an e-commerce funnel, um, and spending a few months looking at that, which was, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you know, just wrong, yeah. um, and uh, you know, it was just counterproductive, but actually, uh, you know, a few months down the line, you just realized, actually, why was I looking at those things? You know, this isn't an Econ play, this is a marketplace. And you, you've you got to keep thinking about it as a marketplace and be thinking about the right segmentations and where you, you know, deploy focus and that kind of thing. I mean, I think that was one, but, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there's every, you know, every mm-hmm. thing you do every day, you could do better. And the CEOs that I think are really, really great are constantly thinking about the art and the craft of being a CEO and constantly thinking, you know, how can I do all these different things better because it is, you know, a very, very tough job and a very multifaceted job. You need to be doing kind of lots of things, um, lots of things well. Um, And I think good CEOs understand what they're good at and they um, double down on those. And they bring in, you know, the best people that they possibly can to do to do the other things they're less good at.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess if you could go back in time and give your twenty-year-old self advice, what would you say? Well,
0: I would probably say go work in tech, <laughs> rather than <laughs> don't rather become a rather lawyer. Rather than go go work in yeah law or consulting or something like that. I mean, that's the most obvious thing. Um, you know, I think back then I had been taught, you know, not explicitly, but I guess subconsciously that you have a choice in life. You can, on the one hand, do something that is well paid, but pretty fucking unfulfilling. Mm. Or on the other hand, you can do something that is creatively fulfilling. You're gonna die a pauper. And that's it, that's life. Hard shit. Mm. You have to pick between these two things. What I didn't realize was that with startups You can kind of have your cake and eat it. Yeah. You can do something that's incredibly creatively nourishing mm. But also gives the opportunity to be very well rewarded financially. Yeah, and so I think that is the story that I would tell to A twenty-year-old Alex, Um, and that sounds like a really banal point because I think these days that is really so well understood because everyone has these startup heroes, and you know, if anything, there's a danger that people are erring on the other extreme and just think that. You know, running a startup is some sort of surefire yeah. route to you know riches and easy. happiness and success and glamour yeah. and yeah. you know fulfilment and of course like it's it's you know it's a very very tough area um, you know, in which to sort of reach a ca- career um, but yeah I think that's what I'll tell them and I think the other thing would just be to you know, believe in yourself um, and no one knows what they're doing no one understands what they're doing everyone feels out of their depth and confused and mm. Um, I think a lot of the time people in their heart of hearts do know the answers to things but they're afraid and really why is someone afraid? They're afraid of doing the wrong thing well actually doing the wrong thing is a great learning experience very often yeah If really the only thing to be afraid of is doing fucking nothing. nothing yeah and so you know I guess that would be my parting
2: point They say that the opposite of success is not failure, it's not doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. You see, I, I should be as articulate as you. Be, I could
0: have <laughs> just answer that question, in, like you know. Eight
2: <laughs> no, dude, you're pretty damn articulate, And I can yeah. see where you're. All right. so do you have any? Uh, what was the name of your novel? And your your book you've already mentioned. The novel is a smarty novel that no one is going to read. <laughs> um, <the laughs> smarty
0: novel, it's, a, it's not. It's not like a sex novel, actually. Um, it's it's probably uh, too much on the other extreme of being this sort of literary novel that. Well, it's quite interesting actually and I almost got published but it's just a bit weird um, the business book <laughs> that intrigued. is very much available check it out on Amazon it's called The Business of Sharing, mm-hmm. business of sharing. and uh, yeah it's this really insider's view on the sharing economy and where can people
1: find you you know where can that hot dev uh, Twitter at Alex Stephanie okay perfect right yeah. thanks for your time Alex it, it's been a joy dude uh,
2: and no thanks worries. guys for listening thanks uh, for having me hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for coming in Alex. It was really cool buddy. So in terms of the main points of the episode, one regarding crowdfunding campaigns, be honest, uh, really helps to build trust. If you have any kind of downsides of your idea or your proposition, uh, let the audience know. It will really help to build trust with them validate the demand of the crowdfunding before you actually do it so um, if you have customers ask your customers would they be interested in it if you know any investors ask your investors try and set it up in advance as much as you possibly can don't don't leave it you know till after you actually launch the campaign be prepared to answer the nitty-gritty questions they're probably going to be as important if not more important than the actual overall big entertaining video um, so prepare these questions in advance and uh, be ready to answer them they're probably going to be what people make the actual decision on. So second biggest point I took from um, Alex, when you're starting up with on your journey to business, treat startup ideas like you're dating them, not like a marriage. So instead of coming up with an idea and thinking, this is it, this is the one I'm focusing on, maybe have a few different ideas and the idea is to go and test them. So you're dating these ideas, you go out and see what actual results are, how many people are interested, Um, you come up with early hypotheses, try and validate these hypotheses, whichever idea then comes out of that, is looking more promising, that's the one you actually go and marry. And uh, third, focus groups are dangerous. Generally one person takes over a focus group and then the rest of the group follows this guy's direction and at the end of the day people find it really difficult to express their ideas accurately. Not many people know why they use something and when they try and guess they'll probably tell you the wrong answer and you don't want to be building up a business on um people's inaccurate guesses on why they do things so when you can face-to-face interviews are a lot better and will give you a lot more insight um, and also um, quantitative data shouldn't be ignored either it will also give you um, very useful data
1: as always guys thank you so much for tuning in and if you haven't already please subscribe or leave us a review on the apple podcasting app or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts they honestly do go a long way Until next time, guys, keep grinding.